Hail girls. Hail Mary, what's up? Well, Jerusalem's become a real drag. Everybody hates me. Uh Uh-uh, not that guy over there. Who, him? They all say he's different. They say he's really weird. We don't care what people say. To us, he's always there. Really? This is Ravage Love. Glory, glory, hallelujah. It's episode 10, season 3 of Ravage Love. Hi, Julie. Hiya, how are you? You know, it's it's warming up. <laughs> it's warming up. <laughs> yeah, so Edmonton had a little unexpected massive snowstorm. Yeah. Uh, here in Ottawa, it has continued to be nice and spring-like, so... That is perfect for our theme this week because uh, what did we read this week, Renee? Oh, we read none romance. None romance. What that has to do with spring, I don't know. But I feel like there's, you know, <sighs> Easter. I kind of have a, like, I don't know. There's something about spring that that brings me, gives me flashbacks to my unfortunate Catholic upbringing. So, yeah, this Listen, week we read about sisters, it's a.k.a. The nuns. It's a season of rebirth, right? And what's more in the theme of rebirth than women committing themselves to God? Yeah. So for folks who don't know, uh, both Renee and I have personal experience with nuns. (laughs) In my case, gray nuns in particular. Uh, Mine was in a personal capacity. I went to a Catholic high school that was literally in a convent run by nuns. And Renee, how have you encountered sisters in your life? (laughs) Well, the agency that I worked for most recently um, was founded by the Franciscan Sisters of Atonement. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I worked with them very closely. Um, Our board chair for our agency was one of the sisters who had formerly been the executive director. So Franciscan Sisters are tight. Like they're good. They're good nuns. Um, Although I do, when I was little, I I don't remember where I was with my mom, but I was at an appointment or something. And there was like this like Quebecois nun sitting next to me. And she fucking slapped me. because I wasn't I wasn't like smiling at her or something. So she hit me. And my mom was like, uh, and I was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went to a high school in a convent and I live in Ontario, which for folks who don't know, Ontario is one of the few provinces in Canada where the education system like the public education system is two it's split in two so there's public schools and then there's catholic schools and they're funded by taxpayers like i did not pay to go to a private school run by nuns it was like your taxpayers as ontarians and canadians went towards this convent that i went to school at and to be clear i am 35 years old i'm not 65 years old like this is not like like my mom went to the same high school and so if she talks about it people are like yeah you went to school back in the day you know what i mean no i graduated from high school in 2003 so these are fresh to death experiences (laughs) (laughs) now since then the nuns have sold my high school to the catholic school board so it's still a catholic school but it's not formally a convent anymore okay um but yeah, it was not a pleasant experience, which is why I love your <laughs> stories of working with nuns. Because like, based on my experience of going to school with nuns, I never in a million years would have suspected that they would be out actually doing community service to help women experiencing violence. But yeah, you had that experience. What was it like working for nuns? <laughs> well, so the I actually worked in this kind of sad building called formerly called the atonement home so you know right then it's like yeesh bummer um bummer and actually fun fact i don't feel bad saying this is it is an unrecognized residential school unfortunately they yeah they refused to you know hand it over because it wasn't run by the government it was run by the church but it was it was a uh yeah it was a residential school. it was kind of like a halfway home between you know 60 scoop kids and then like foster homes um, and we had, you know, a handful of incidents where, you know, people would come for groups or things because I worked for a women's shelter. Um, uh, and then they would just go into these flashbacks because, oh my God, they were there as children and they totally blocked it out. So, um, worked in the attic, very haunted floor, spooky stuff. Um, but the sisters genuinely were totally and entirely committed to any violence against women and um 
you know, helping families thrive and stuff. It, the entire agency was founded by a sister named Sister Lorena. That's why it was called the Lorena Shelter. Um, just a neat little thing. And there weren't a lot of nuns there. Um, I think I mentioned maybe last week or the week before about how we did have really young nuns, but they were usually like Colombian or Filipina or something. Um, and then everyone else was pretty old. And, and the sister that I worked with most closely who had been like the director and was the board chair, she actually had a background in teaching and was from the States. And her biggest regret in becoming a nun was that she had to give up her motorcycle. What? Yeah. And she like loved nun paraphernalia. So like you could get her a calendar of like nuns behaving badly and she would just eat it up. She loved it. Um, And she was just like this big clutter bug. So she had this office that was just full of stuff. And you could tell like she was being stressed because she would like grab her hair kind of by the roots and be like, yeah, but her hair was really short. So it would just kind of like stick up like a mad scientist. Um, Funny lady, but yeah, very, very committed to um, the cause. And, you know, she was extremely heartbroken when the decision was made to sell the agency because it was kind of like her life's work. Yeah. Um, and she was also appointed by like the Pope to be like an envoy or something in the States. So she was traveling a lot. Anyway, cool nun, big deal. Um, mixed feelings about the church and everything, especially considering um, the fact that, you know, we were a residential school. Um, and I worked with this other nun who is French Canadian. Hilarious. But she was so mean. Like people were really scared of her. And it turned out that she was an ex-nun and she had been kicked out of like the Franciscan sisters or the gray nuns or something because she was just so mean. Oh (laughs) my God. So like the people who literally started (laughs) Bible thumping as a practice, which is like literally hitting someone with a Bible. They were like, you're too mean. (laughs) But you know what? No. I think it, you know, I I got to know her really well over the, in the last few years. She was a lot like a matant, like she was just, you know, a crass, rough around the edges French lady. Um, But I think it was, she just really disagreed with um, a lot of the policies and like, you know, how we, we should treat children. And, you know, she just loved kids. Anytime I brought the kids in, she was just thrilled. Um, And we had this running joke that one day I would bring ice cream and she'd have to eat it with me. And she's like, I'll never eat ice cream with you. And she never did. But, um, (laughs) you know, she just, she was, she's my favorite person there, but I just love this story that she had been kicked out of the nunnery. Yeah. So yeah, fun facts, but yeah. So the, my last story, and I'm so excited to hear your stories, but my last story with these uh, sisters were, was that um, when I, when my position ended a couple weeks ago on the 31st, I went in to get the rest of my stuff and clean out my mailbox and there was a letter in there. And I was like, oh my God, okay. Maybe it's like a bonus. It's like, maybe it's, a, it's like, or I was like, or maybe it's just like a really nice letter, you know, like saying, Renee, it was great to work with you or something. Um, and on the letter, it was like, careful when opening contains a new life. And I was like, oh, I like, are you guys giving me money to start a new life? Like I'd be here for that. Um <laughs> And I opened it up and there was like this typed out letter on this like sunflowery um, printer paper. And it was talking about how the sister had been having all these dreams about sunflowers and how sunflowers represent renewal and rebirth. You know, our theme, like nuns, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then as I looked in the envelope, there were two single sunflower seeds in the envelope. (laughs) So my severance from this agency that always paid me so below my industry standard was two single sunflower seeds so um (laughs) that's that's what it's like working for nuns is that you are expected to be as selfless as they are (laughs) just accept everything so um oh my word well i mean (laughs) i mean if you wanted to go real political it goes to show i think those religious uh like the roots, the religious roots of a lot of social work and a lot of counseling in this country has like maintained, which is that idea that you have to be self-sacrificing and a martyr and that the work is its own reward. And this idea that, yeah, we don't need to compensate people because you've devoted your life to this. Like the work that you do to end violence against women and the work I do to end violence against like that's our vocation. Yes, it's our passion. But also we live under capitalism, like pay me. <laughs> Yeah. And especially if you're like a nun. So in the case of the nuns that I knew at my high school, like 
part of being a nun is that your room and board and your like is all taken care of. So of course you can just do the most because that's what you, you don't have to worry about having a roof over your head. The rest Mm -hmm. of us do. So for folks who don't know, (laughs) nuns, like in your case, did your nuns like wear any kind of headdress? Only, okay. So they did have it. The habit, um, and it was really only brought out for like special occasions. But they, they, I know that the sister I worked closely with wore this like really ugly brown skirt all the time, and like just like a t shirt or like a long sleeve shirt. But she also had this like monk robe that she would wear a lot. Like it was legit like a monk robe with like a rope belt. Oh yes. Um, but that's because they're Franciscan nuns, right? Yeah, they're Franciscan nuns, and so I never saw the nun that I worked most closely with ever in a habit. Um, But there were other nuns I did see in habits, especially the ones who had come from overseas. Mm. Um, But then there was this one nun I worked with who was just like from Florida, you know, like she was like your typical snowbird somehow. Like she, I don't know how she was a nun, but she was just like a, like this really stern old woman um, who got shit done. And we loved her because she showed up and kind of like got everything organized. It was no nonsense. And then, I remember one Christmas she was helping me and a bunch of volunteers wrap gifts and I had <laughs> I had a playlist of like <laughs> Christmas rap music on. <laughs> like Run DMC continue. Yeah. 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 And she <laughs> at first she was like, What is this? She's like, turn it off, but then like by the end she was super into it. But it was she was just so stern, like thin lipped, short hair, and she never wore any nun clothes. It was like jeans and a t shirt constantly. Like you wouldn't know she was a nun. You just think she was someone's grandma. But uh, she was great. And then she just was like, fuck Canada. Fuck this cold. And she's like, bye. And went back to Florida. <laughs> I mean, game recognized game, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I I can't hate it. I ask because when I, because that's one of the big myths about nuns. And I think it comes in large part from the fact that most of us everyday people in Canada, at least, your only interaction with nuns is like through pop culture or like photos of your parents back in the day with like mm-hmm. a nun um, or a sister act. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like my my school and where I'm from in Northern Ontario, this is going to be a theme that's going to come up a lot during the hour. You will notice a theme <laughs> of French Canadian nuns. This is a thing that is like in Canada, if you, I would, I would, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Frankly, if you're born in Canada and you become a nun, chances are you have some attachment to Quebec. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that most nuns in Canada are older. If they're white, they're older. And if they're younger, then like you said, they're um, typically new Canadians. Um, so the nuns that I went to school with were considered gray nuns. They saw gris, which are a different faction than the Franciscan ones. So they did wear, like you said, kind of... Uh, below the knee almost like a line skirt but they were gray because they were the gray nuns with like Mm -hmm. a gray vest and a white blouse and a little gray little habit so not don't picture giant sister act things people like the tiny little like almost like a 50s nurse Mm -hmm. hat uh and like i said they were old so when my mom went to school there the teacher was quite young and she was like one of the nuns and then she became principal by the time I went to school there. So I only knew her as this old lady, but my mom was like, Oh my God, I knew her when she was like 30 and so mean. And I'm like, well, she's 60 some and just as mean. Uh, Why did you send me to school here? I hate this. So (laughs) I was unsurprisingly (laughs) constantly in trouble with the nuns. So I was an co-editor of the school paper and when I was in high school the Pope had decreed for the first time this was when there was some momentum growing for legalization of same-sex marriage in Canada Canada was one of the first countries oh queers unite Uh, (laughs) so one of our uh, people who contributed to the school paper wrote an article about how you can hate the sin but not the sinner and really quoting from the Pope's you know, big declaration that basically we shouldn't gay bash. You can disapprove of the gay lifestyle, but you can't gay bash. And this person who wrote the article, she was bisexual. Um, I'm a queer person. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And the nuns called the editorial team into the office and said we couldn't publish the article because it would promote homosexuality. And when she was like, I'm literally quoting the Pope, she was like, I don't care. So that was my a big like 
okay, cool. Um, very, very clearly effeminate gay men in my school didn't last very long. They usually would drop out in grade 10 in high school in Ontario's grade nine to 10. So like they would last maybe a year or two and they'd transfer out um, because it was just such a blatantly homophobic environment where they we t- were taught homophobic content in religion class, which is brutal. But my positive nun story is actually about an ex-nun So when my mom went to school there, she was sister Sarah Lindquist. And when I went to school there, she I just knew her as Madame Lindquist. And my mom, I remember at one point being like, oh, oh my gosh, that's so funny. When I went to school there, she was a nun. And for folks who don't know, one of the few privileges that women have in the Catholic Church is that if you're a priest and you decide you don't want to be a priest anymore, you're done. You're cast out. You're not part of the community anymore. If you're a nun and you decide you don't want to be a nun anymore, you can still be Catholic. You can still participate in all the religious rites. So it's one of the few things that women get for oh, being nuns. Yeah. I didn't know they that. Do, yeah. They do all have to wear a wedding ring, which a lot of people don't know. But those of us who've worked closely with them do. They literally wear a wedding ring because they are married to Jesus. Yep. I knew so, that. So um, we're just kind of planting the seeds for you folks to understand the climate is ripe for erotica and romance about nuns because you're in a sisterhood where you're married to Jesus. Uh, In the case of some of the nuns I went to school with, some very clearly read as queer. uh, And back in the day, it was one of the few options for women who were queer is if you became a nun, you didn't have to marry a dude. Uh, So whether you got to actually act out on your queerness is a different issue. But um, so let's, Madame Lindquist, okay? She's my grade 12 English lit teacher. And she had decided that she no longer wanted to be a nun because she found it too restrictive and it didn't allow her to live her life the way that she wanted. So she continued to be a teacher, but just as a civilian. And I went to an all French school. So English lit was an elective. And in that class, we were about 26 people. And she was such a dedicated educator who was so committed to literacy and getting folks involved that she she got every single student to write a paragraph about their interests. And then she assigned you a book based on that paragraph, which is amazing. Guess what fucking book she assigned me, Renee Cabana Marshall. If you fucking say Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's fucking Tale. Handmaid's Tale. An ex-nun teaching at a school run by nuns assigned me... Uh. The Handmaid's Tale. Talk about a fucking wink, wink and a nudge, nudge on like, I see you and I'm going to like nurture this. I wrote a fucking paper in grade 12 that I got an A on, on how Catholicism is misogynist. Wow. And she gave me an A. And that same year in grade 12, when I had to go to religion class, we had to learn about how women suck and gays are awful. And here's this woman being so subversive in the quietest way. Whew. I think about her all the time. So I was introduced to The Handmaid's Tale in 2002 by my English lit former nun teacher. Obviously, it blew my world wide open. Uh, It's why it's one of my favorite books. It's why I have a tattoo of The Handmaid's Tale, because it was just the way it was given to me. And if you know The Handmaid's Tale, right, at one point, Offred thinks she's alone and she thinks she's the only person trying to fight the system. And then she finds this etching under a bunk bed that's, you know, pig Latin for don't let the bastards grind you down. And then she realizes, hey, I'm actually part of a legacy of women who've been quietly trying to overturn the system. And here's Madame Linquist doing exactly that. Fuck. How fucking sick is that? Oh, my gosh. Aww. That story, will, I will never leave me. I just think it's so bad. So, yeah, when the show came out and then people heard about it, it was a big deal. And, you know. We now know that Margaret Atwood is a really problematic person, yada, yada. But um, that is my favorite nun story because Aww. I think it's just so indicative of like quiet revolutionaries all over the place, you know? And like just oh how gosh. badass that is. Like if the principal had found out about that, I mean, she literally called me to the office because of a fucking article saying it's okay to be gay. <laughs> and like woman's like, yeah, I'll give you an A on this paper where like I think the title was literally just like misogyny in the catholic church as seen through the eyes of offred in the handmaid's tale like (laughs) blatant uh oh my gosh can we get her on like a ravage live after hours please i will try and track this woman down and like the story like she just was like a nerdy very much red as queer like had like a brush cut (sighs) like always dressed like 
very red as like a very butch woman um talked about how when she was in grad school i think she even had her phd or something like she was so obsessed wow. with lit and she talked about how she broke all of her back teeth in grad school because she was so stressed that she like <gasps> grinded them into dust Whoa. and yeah, like just nerdy like person who did not seem like someone who was like fucking the system but actively was doing so and so i will never forget she was strict as hell and like wasn't she didn't smile a lot and like wasn't the warmest person but clearly had a rebel's heart and you know i'm here for that so oh my god that's like your origin story it is like it truly is like madame linquist grade 12 put that book in my hands i still have it i still have that exact copy and i cherish it so much because it's just like wow what a dedicated educator even beyond assigning me that particular text but yeah there was someone who wanted to be in the military so she assigned him the wars by timothy finley which is actually like a critique of the military industrial complex like just like such the amount of work like think about it as an educator to assign 26 books and the category is english literature so it could be any time frame and she still (laughs) and every single person was like even if i didn't love my book i love that i read this book and like just a dedicated educator so that's why try To think of nuns in that way, mm-hmm. um, it's hard because my experience of them is generally not awesome. Also, I grew up in a family of people that were and continue to be rightfully obsessed with Sister Act. Yeah. That soundtrack played in my house all of the time. Uh, so, yeah, big. I am known as the person who loves nun stuff. So. Yeah someone bought me like a nunchuck and it's literally like a nun like a slingshot with you throw little nuns um i have like nude photography of like nuns like it's just i'm obsessed with them uh and i find them fascinating and as a queer person like the history of queer women and the convent is like utterly fascinating to me um and then i (laughs) in trying to find a book renee (laughs) <laughs> was it how was how how easy or difficult was it for you to find a book this week about nuns surprisingly difficult right it was surprisingly difficult and i found a couple um but a lot of them were either like ex nuns or mm. nuns and priests and i was like i need something gay <laughs> I also found a category that I hadn't thought of, but there were quite a few, which were kind of similar to Sister Act, the idea of women hiding out in a convent. So there was a lot of, um, and then there was a lot of kind of Regency almost type novels of like young women who were orphans who were raised by nuns. Um, So there was a lot of that, but I was like, I want a nun as the protagonist. And see, I would have fucked with a nun priest situation because... I know a woman, IRL, like I've known her for years, and then I did. Then I found out the story about her. Swear to God, her dad was a priest, her mom was a nun. They ran away together, and she was the product oh. of it. Oh, what? So sweet. Right? Let you me know what, talk though? about true love. Talk about that's true love. the that's Nacho Libre's origin story. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad that you. I know a real life Nacho Libre, essentially, person who, yeah, her parents were from South America and like, yeah, young hot priest, young hot nun realized, no, this we're meant to be together. And they're still together as like this old, beautiful couple. So that's, I would have settled for that, but all I could find was filth. And so (laughs) gird your loins, bud, because I'm going to tell you about the spiciest book i've ever read so last week was your week for reading the spiciest book of the season this is mine are you ready i am ready i am strapped in i'm ready to atone let's get got my rosary here got 10 hell marys waiting on the go let's do this i read the naughty nun orgy in the vestry (laughs) oh how was your book how long was it? Oh, it was a whopping uh, 26 pages. Fuck but... off. Yes. Right. Okay, I'm and ready. This Let's author, do this author, this author really threw me for a loop because her name is Joan Russell, which sounds pretty chaste. Oh, she yeah. has very little information about her online uh, other than it's the pen name of an award-winning fiction and non-fiction author. What? Some of her non-fiction includes a book on Eng- like speaking english to swahili 
So I thought oh. maybe she was a black woman. No, it appears the only tiny photo I could find, she appears to be a white woman. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. But in terms of her fiction, ooh, writes a lot of erotica, ranging from slutty mail order brides to, quote, Boffy the Dick Slayer, Boffy's <laughs> magic dildo, which is tentacle porn. Oh, that's my and favorite. Then, <laughs> your favorite. And then in terms of supernatural, we definitely somehow missed in our search this classic called the Ghostly Gangbang. <gasps> so she has several books about slutty nuns. And I picked the one that I thought would actually be the least out of control. And if that's the case, I don't even know how I could handle reading the other ones. Because... <laughs> First page opening sentence opens with Sister Mary Immaculate and Mother Superior tying naked Father Gordon and Father <laughs> Ignatius to rings mounted to the floor. So they're just okay. strapping these dudes. Yeah, they're just there's these rings on the floor and they're strapping them into it almost crucifix style. Yep, crucifix style. So then a group of giggling nuns walks into the room because they were summoned by news of a surprise party. <laughs> Mother Superior, in her Quebecois accent. Oh, fuck. Oh, so she's a great nun from Quebec. Holla if you hear me. Mother Superior, in her Quebec accent, says that they will be servicing the priests who are plagued by impure thoughts. Quote, we are doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> And so Sister Mary Immaculate starts fucking one of the fathers and then shows the others how to do it. It's very educational. It's right, very right. educational. So there's eight nuns and two priests and they have a fucking orgy. There's mm. anal. There's squirting. There's prostate play, bondage, strap-ons, double penetration, pegging. You name it. These people are doing it. And then I'm just going to read you the last page and a half because that's the conclusion. Otherwise, I would be reading you filthy, filthy <laughs> discussion of people just squirting in the faces of priests. Whew, okay. So they've just finished their orgy. I'm just going to launch right into giving you the finale. <clears throat> the two men lay asleep with the women draped over them. One by one, in absolute silence, the women rose. They each went to their pile of clothes. They pulled on their undergarments these were followed by their habits, which they pulled over their heads. They each fitted their veils in place. Transformed back to their proper selves, they left the vestry one by one to return to their cells where they would wash and fall asleep. In the morning, they would carry on with their many duties as if nothing had happened. Sister Mary Immaculate removed the handcuffs from Father Gordon's wrist while Mother Superior took the ropes off Father Ignatius. The two priests were spent. They were so tired they could hardly dress themselves. The two women tidied up the liquid from the floor using a mop oh. and pail. Oh, yeah. They cleaned the vibrators and placed them in Father Gordon's special case. Sister Mary Immaculate unscrewed the rings from the floor. Father Gordon's special case with its precious cargo was locked away in Mother Superior's closet for the next time. Both women realized there would be a next time and a next time after that. When everything was neat and orderly, when nothing of the evening's events could be detected in the orderliness of the room, the two women helped the two priests to their feet and supported them to their cells. The move, the move ton, they moved on. Oh yeah, this, this is a, there's a ton of spelling mistakes in this one. <laughs> there they, there, they moved on to their next tiny, sparsely furnished rooms. There they lay down in their single beds, so tired they did not bother to take off their outer clothing. Sister Mary Immaculate and Mother Superior did not need to speak to each other on the way to their separate living quarters. They were each completely satisfied with and by the evening. They parted at Sister Mary's door. Good night, Sister Mary, Mother Superior said. I think it went well tonight. Good night, Mother, Sister Immaculate said. I think so too. And with no other words, they each entered their cells and prepared for bed. They slept well and in the morning they could not remember if they had dreamed. The end. The end, Chris. That's called the Christmas, huh? Sounds good, So, yeah, that was my book. Wow. Um, I will say, yeah, there was a lot of typos and spelling errors. Not too, like it wasn't distractingly so, but it was enough, which often happens with self-published books, as we've noticed. Um, and 
the writing though wasn't terrible it wasn't mm-hmm. like let's include weird euphemisms for stuff just to make it sound fancy so it actually wasn't too too bad in terms of writing um general descriptions really ran the gamut we had like cock and pussy vulva which i appreciated uh it was very consensual like very mm-hmm. consensual um there was clearly older nuns and young nuns people were just like having a time there was a lot of the women just like fucking each other um they all got off which was nice it wasn't just about servicing the priests in terms of spice factor absolutely unequivocally the filthiest thing i've read probably <laughs> ever uh in the co- i mean it's 25 pages other than those two pages i read you it's literally just fucking hardcore fucking <laughs> so i'm gonna give it Five out of five ped the sar, which if you <laughs> if you're not Canadian, you don't know what a ped the sar is. It literally translates to a nun's fart. Um, and yeah. it is a uh Chris typically a Christmas baked good that you eat in Canada <laughs> that um is so sweet it tastes like a nun's fart, which is why it's called ped the sar. Uh it, they are delicious and they are the best use of it's basically pie dough that's like left over that's how it became used and then you put spices like j- cinnamon and sugar and you roll it up into like a pinwheel and you bake it and it is exquisite and it's <laughs> very easy to make um so if you don't know what a pet the sari is and you are a big fan of you know the great british bake-off for example um test yourself out with some pet the sari. and if you want to read filthy <laughs> filthy erotica about nuns and really make all of your catholic dreams slash nightmares come true then I highly recommend any of Joan Russell's books because she has several about nuns. But that was The Naughty Nun, Orgy in the <laughs> Vestry. <laughs> wow, tabernouche. Tabernouche, tabougoula. So tell me, tell me, friend, Ooh. what the fuck did you read? Because your book was actually long. It was right? longish. Like it was over 100 pages. Damn. All the yeah. ones I could find were filthy and under 40 pages. So I'm shook that you found something. Tell yeah, us I, everything. Uh, yeah. um, well, I just want to I just want to give you props because you did find a book called Holy Fuck, <laughs> and I tried to find it, but I would have to get like a scribed subscription. I'm not paying nine dollars a month for that, so I didn't read it, but I found it. I hunted it down. I did find it. Oh, perfect. Um, okay. So I read a book called Blind Faith, and it's from an author called Brooklyn Roberts. Brooklyn Roberts, according to Goodreads, has no other books. Um, I couldn't find anything about them whatsoever. Um, but my book takes takes place um, mod- like modern day, and we open in a monastery in Pennsylvania. There, Leanne um, is a young sister. She's you know she's there. She's getting prepared to take her vows and all of that. Um, And she's in the monastery. She's become a nun because her parents put a lot of pressure on her to become like a very good Catholic girl. Her older sister ran away to be like a rock star. And so they put additional pressure on her to grow up to be a nun. So she's there at the monastery, very faithful, very devout, but kind of unhappy. Feels feels bad that, you know, she let herself get pressured in this situation. And um, she's there and, and she meets another young nun called Ancoria. And she realized she's starting to have feelings for Ancoria, but she doesn't know anything about that because at, like, your private parts, is, they call them private parts. Like anytime Leanne talks about her genitals in this, they're called private parts because that's what um, her mother always said. It was for like bathroom stuff and washing. That's the only thing your vagina is for, unless you get married and then it's for sex to have a baby, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Leanne's kind of sad too because she she has always wanted to have a family. She has always wanted to have children, and so she kind of feels let down. But she's committed to seeing this through. However, Ancoria is a little little slutty, little slutty. So she's she you know she comes on to Leanne, and um, they get busy and they're they're into it and stuff. However, Mother Superior catches them, and she's like, "Not cool. Don't do that here. Like I get it, but like don't do that." Blah blah blah. So later, Leanne is waiting to talk to Father Nixon, which I thought was a funny name for a priest, but here we are. Um, And Father Nixon knows what's up. But Father Nixon is chill. And he's like, look, he's like, I heard what happened. You know, obviously, you know, that's a natural response for you. And so I'm going to suggest that you leave the monastery, like the nunnery, for your own happiness. And so Leanne's like, oh my God, I'm getting kicked out. And he's like, no, 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 this isn't a punishment. He's like, Julie. Because you are an Omega, 
because you're an Omega, you will always be drawn to alphas. <laughs> so I'm going to send you somewhere called Vale Valley, where there are lots of people like you, and you will meet your alpha there. Because this turned out to be a book about shifters, Julie. No! Mm-hmm. Now, Who not me. only- yeah, I don't even know. I don't know how it happened. I got a shifter book. Oh, and not only that, it's a series. It's a series. So Vale Valley is a series of stories. Um, and that's and it's written by all kinds of different authors. So all the authors have like a bunch of different authors have written a Vale Valley book on their own, and it's just part of this big collection. So <clears throat> Vale Valley is not just home to shifters, Julie, alphas and omegas and betas. It's also home to witches, vampires. And everything else under the sun. So he's sending her to Vale Valley. He wants her to be happy. Um, he thinks for sure she's going to meet her alpha there. Sends her along. And he says, you know, if you don't, and you decide there that you want to be a nun for real, then come back. And she's like, okay. So she heads over to Vale Valley and she meets um, Father Joseph. And Father Joseph is a shifter. He's a priest and he's kind of rough around the edges. Um, he's a tiger shifter. He's kind of a dick, but you know, he, he's very passionate about being a priest. And we find out there's another priest there called father Lance Mulrooney and father Lance Mulrooney is away from the church right now because he got married to another shifter called Mateo and they just had twin boys. And Leanne arrives right before the baptism of these twins. So I assume there's probably a story about Lance Mulrooney and Mateo. I imagine there's another book. But Mateo is best friends with a woman called Myra. Myra is an alpha. And Myra owns a tattoo shop. She's a tattoo artist. She's very successful. She's the only tattoo shop in all of Vale Valley. Um, but she's also like get like deep in the puss. Like she's getting it here and there. And so many of the women that she she connects with, they really want to like settle down with her. But she's like, I'm not about that life. I'm not about that marriage and kids life. Um, and so she's the godmother to Mateo's two children, his twins. So she's gonna be um, there at the baptism on the weekend. So back at the, at the church, um, Leanne meets a woman called Mrs. Dewers. And Mrs. Dewers is a witch. And Mrs. Dewers is going to be her guide while she's in Vale Valley. And she says, there's no room at, at the Abbey here, so you're going to have to stay in town at, at the inn, but I'll show you how to get there and everything, no problem. So she takes her there and she's like, oh, just so you know, your alpha is here. And she's like, what are you, really? And she's like, yeah, your alpha's here and you're going to meet her at the baptism on this weekend. And she's like, oh my God, like, I, oh my God. And, you know, she's having this crisis of faith because she really wants to do right by her parents. But she also, like, they believe in fates in this universe. So, like, if, if she's fated to have an alpha, then, like, you can't really go against the fates, right? Um, <laughs> so she's like, hey, okay, you know, since you're here, there's nothing to do. Why don't you go for a walk? Um, and then she uses, like, her witch powers to change her clothes, her, like, nun clothes. So she sends her for a walk. She's walking around, she's enjoying the town, and then she all of a sudden, like, goes into heat. And she's like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And she's like, what? Oh, my God. What am I doing? Oh, fuck. And she is like, oh, my God. My alpha must be near. And then meanwhile, back at the tattoo shop, Myra's like, oh, what's that smell? It smells like citrus. And it's because that's Leanne's pussy. Um, and she's like, I, she's like, oh, my God. Is, do I have an Omega? Is my Omega here? Oh, my God. So she goes to, like, run out. And meanwhile, Leanne's, like, booking it out of town. She's like, I'm not ready yet. I'm gross. And she's like, runs away. Um, now Leanne has never really had a proper sexual reaction, like interaction with anybody, even Ancoria at the, at the nunnery. I think they just kind of like played around or she watched her or something, but I don't think they really had much interaction with each other. So all of these feelings, all of these things that Leanne is experiencing is totally new to her. Um, and so she meets up with Mrs. Dewar again, and Mrs. Dewar is like, oh, I have a letter for you. And like, this will explain a bunch of things for you so you won't have to feel as much guilt about things. So she gets, it's from Aunt Coria, and she's like, I'm in a band. And she's like, oh, okay, well, that's great. She's getting what she wants, so maybe I can find my happiness too. So we get to the baptism, and Myra is like, 
okay, I have an Omega. Like I, I don't want to be with anybody else anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to slut it up around town. Okay. So she goes and she gets all like dressed up and she's like, I can't wear club gear anymore. I'm going to be a, someone's partner. I have to be, I have to be respectable. She goes and they are at this thing and they lock eyes and they're like, this is it. That's my person or my shifter or my animal. I don't know what animals they shift into, frankly. They never say. <laughs> so at the end of the ceremony, they link arms and are like, let's go for a walk. Obviously, like this is what the fates have decided and I'm into you. So let's do this. So they walk around and Leanne is 21. Myra is 39. And Myra has obviously been around the block, whereas Leanne hasn't. So Leanne is like in heat she like it's just like what the like she's sweaty she's freaking out she's really scared but Myra is determined to like do this right so she's like I want to get to know you like I know like the sex will happen it'll come but like let me get to know you I want to do right by you like I want to know everything about you your hopes your dreams blah 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 it's really sweet so um they do that they get to know one another and then Leanne's like please just stay the night with me like I know you don't want to have sex yet. Like, that's cool. But just stay the night with me. And she's like, okay. So they eat and they like fall asleep next to each other. And it's really lovely until Leanne wakes up with Myra in between her legs. And she's just like, Oh, okay. And she's like super into it. Um, and so Myra's like, or Myra's like, let me take your granny panties off. And she's like, granny panties. Um, and they get undressed and they like are going to town on each other. But then Myra does something, Julie, that I've never read in any book yet. Um, shifter or otherwise. Um, and it's, it's specific to shifter stories. So I don't think we've talked about nodding yet. Julie, have we talked about no, that? No, can't say I know what that is. So um, I don't know if you know this about like actual animals, like dogs, for example, mm -hmm. but when dogs, um, fuck each other the male's penis will engorge itself inside the female and get stuck there um and and it's it's to help encourage um insemination so with shifters similar thing however the way it works is that same-sex shifters can impregnate one another that's male on male or female on female i don't know i tried to find out where the babies come out of the males like, do they shoot out of their penises? Mm -hmm. What happens? I don't know. I couldn't find it. Um, but for females, they can impregnate each other. And a male can impregnate a female, but a female can't impregnate a male. So we know about how, like, they – what's the term where they, like, they latch on to the other and then they're mates for life or whatever? They're marked? Yeah, they're marked, right? Yeah. And this, they're not called that. They're called, like, fated. But when they're fated, um, if you not – them then they're gonna be pregnant so myra knots oh, she knots leanne on their first night and then the story goes on where you know leanne's pregnant and she you know blah 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 and that's how the story goes on they end up like getting married and then the end of the book um they've had their little baby and they go to meet um leanne's family and she's really scared and Moira's like, you know, we got this. Like, don't worry. Like, I'm, I'm your, I'm your alpha. I've got your back. I love you. Like, we're gonna do this. And then, sure enough, her parents are like, we're so sorry we pressured you. You know, we were wrong to do that. We love you. We're so happy that you're happy. But because her parents were alpha and omega too, turns out. Mm. But happy ending, happily ever after. It was a lovely little read. The sex was spice by spicy. Um, but I really stuck on nodding. And so, what I'm gonna read for you today is a description of that. Um, Please do. Couldn't understand how it worked. Um, so let's do it. Let's hop right in. Because I'm ready. I'm waiting all day. <laughs> to tell you about this. Okay. So the way the book is laid out is it's either Myra or it's Leanne talking. So this is Myra. In all my 39 years, I'd always been careful, cautious, not to allow the emotion of want to eat away at my defenses and impregnate someone. However, this time was different. I'd nodded Leanne, thus starting the baby-making process. When our female omegas were in heat, our saliva became like semen. This could only occur while going down on a woman, not from kissing. Once the female omega was on the verge of climaxing, the alpha's tongue thickened inside them. Their uteruses extended, creating pressure around the bellies. When the omega's clitoris lengthened, they felt a pulling action. Once their clit and our tongue joined, they tied, 
This made that saliva act like sperm moving through her vagina. When it reached the womb, that saliva fertilized her egg and created a baby. Although it felt like forever, it usually took about 10 minutes, then it would naturally untie. Our tongues and their clit would shrink to normal size. Even if I wanted to prevent it, there was no time to get a latex barrier while the heat of the moment, while in the heat of the moment. Plus with Leanne being a virgin in heat, she was a virgin, 99% <laughs> of the pregnancy tests would come out positive. With male alphas, it was their dicks. With us lady alphas, it was our tongue. So fucking clever the deities were, making us women fully capable of nodding each other, but nothing to impregnate a man. Only same-sex couples could impregnate each other or man to a woman. Damn gods. Shit. And although a part of me wasn't thrilled with the prospect of Munchkin so soon, I'd accepted the responsibility. I wouldn't be the deadbeat parent, especially not to my lover, Leanne. Regardless of my small regret, the feeling was amazing. The moment I nodded her, it felt as if I'd lost all sense of reality around me. Although female alphas could climax while nodding, I hadn't. Didn't mean it was any less pleasurable. Having my tongue inside Leanne and drinking from her titillated me to no end. Leanne's response made me desire her more than anyone I'd ever been with. I knew that that was supposed to happen, but I didn't realize how big it would be. How much of a grand event. A fucking occurrence I'd remember for the rest of my life. I nodded my Omega. I'm going to be a mother. Hot damn. I smiled to myself and softly caressed her arm. So now that's a thing we all know. I can't unknow that. Thanks. Yeah. So her, the, her clitoris pokes out and then the tongue gets bigger. And then the <laughs> clitoris and the tongue nod around each other to guide the semen to her stomach. It like penetrates her cervix. It's a whole thing. Now's the thing we know. Anyway, you know what? The sex scenes were very spicy, so I'm going to say five out of five hot sauce on communion wafers for this one. Oh! <laughs> communion yeah. wafers do need a certain spice to really make they them do. not be stale pieces of styrofoam. So a little sriracha. Like, oh, I love it. A little sriracha package mm -hmm. on a little SC. Hoo-hoo! Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so was how was the writing? It was good. It was solid. It was well-written. It was a fun little story. It was... It was sweet. It had like literally every thing I like about the romance tropes that we've had. So happily ever after lesbians, like there was no like shitty behavior to one another. Like they were just happy and in love. Like immediately they accepted that responsibility of like the fate setting them up. Everybody was supportive of them. Other characters found like their mates through the story. It was just like happy, happy, happy. The parents were lovely at the end and everybody was happy. And then also Myra's like, I'm going to pay for you to go back to school because I know how much you love teaching children. And she's like, I can't spend your money. And she's like, it's our money, baby. Like, she's like, I'm here to take care of you. I love you. Like, it was just lovely. It was lovely. And there was no shame, except there was one part where like Myra's going down on Leanne for the first time. And Leanne doesn't even know that you could do that. And she like gushes, like she like squirts. And she's like, oh my God, I peed on her. And she's like, no, baby, no, baby, that's not pee. It's okay. Even if it was. It's a, I'm into it. It's fine. It's okay. But no, no, that's fine. So it was like really sweet. She's like, oh my God, I pissed on her. And she's like, no, it's fine. Like, it Oh my nice. God, that's so funny because that exact thing happened in my book too. <laughs> <laughs> Where then like Mother Immaculate was just like, no girl, it's okay. And she's like, okay. Uh, so <laughs> I love a little, if anyone has like a mommy like kink this week's books sound like they will really scratch that itch because there's a lot yeah. of taking care a lot of women yeah. taking care my Love mommy fetish see. is uh jillian anderson like oof. oh she's a mommy like she mm. is a mommy a hundo pacento like i don't i don't know what it is like nothing about her if you were to describe her like on paper i'd be like not my type but she, there is just something about that woman i know full-on died and will insist they are straight women who are like oh would do i'm like yeah i know she's just like the <laughs> sexiest woman ever and that is 100 percent the vibe she gives off so does Kate blanchett oh yes and 100%. depending on the movie but i think of like disobedience for example where rachel wise is like rachel mcadams mommy and it is whoo have you seen disobedience no holy shit they like spit in each other's mouths and shit it's fucking 
spicy but it's based on a book the book is also phenomenal by the woman who actually wrote the power you know that book about women inheriting like lightning power basically that was like no oh my goodness okay yeah well she so yeah disobedience is a very queer book and movie it's on netflix rachel mcadams rachel wise they're from like an orthodox jewish community um and they're queer and like one of them leaves the community because she wants to live her life. And the other ones like wants to follow the rules, but is miserable in this sexless marriage. And Oh, I, it's so good. But yeah, Rachel wise, who is so hot, but she is extreme mommy vibes Mm -hmm. in this movie called disobedience, which I highly recommend. So Uh, this was a great week in general, but I think a perfect week to, uh end for a bit because we're taking a a little bit of a pause Mm -hmm. and this feels like the spiciest note to leave people (laughs) for for a few weeks leave them thirsty so that we can hit them back up in may because yeah Yeah. what's going on what's going on in april oh i'm traveling on thursday for a week um to visit my mama who's unwell um and my brother's having a wedding it's gonna be like 10 people because of restriction in ontario but I bought a really slutty dress for it. I don't know why I did. It didn't, I didn't think it was going to be so slutty, but here we are. Um, so it'll just be me and my mom and my brother <laughs> and my son. And we're coming to Ontario to do that. So, um, and I'll be coming back right after my birthday. So we're going to miss my birthday for this episode. We're going to have to come in hard and Ooh. loose for May to like make up for that birthday loss. A hundred percent. We have lots of amazing stuff lined up for May going into the summer. So mm-hmm. keep keep your eyes peeled for the dropping of a new episode in May. But yeah, we were going to take a little bit of a break for about two weeks or so. As always, if you have themes that you think we should focus on or specific books or specific authors, slide into our DMs. Please do. I would also say... Follow us on Twitter and Instagram just generally, but especially this week because the covers, again, are a treat. <laughs> they are, yeah. Uh, so you're not going to want to <laughs> miss that uh, little particular moment. But it was nice chatting with you, Renee. You too, Julie. Can I sing us out today? Because I have something special to say. I insist that okay. you sing us out this week. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready, but I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Okay, here we go. Madrid, Madrid, intermarata, sanctus, sanctus, terminus. And we're out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fuck. Hey, salut la visite, hein? Why? (laughs) À bientôt. Bye bye. Artwork for the podcast was created by Karen McKnight. Special thanks to Press Start to Join for production assistance. For gaming and tech news, search Press Start to Join or on social media at PS, the number two, J Show. Connect with us online at Ravage Love on Instagram and by email at ravagelove.podcast at gmail.com.